0: Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Week 16 is in the books. We're down to the final week of the regular season. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. What's up, Mark and Mark? Ike, good morning. Recording this on Christmas Eve.
1: Right. That's why I got my Christmas pajama outfit on.
0: And for the viewers, we'll put out a social video from today. You'll want to tune in and see this. It's fantastic. Well done, Ike. But before we start today's show, following the Steelers' 16 to 10 loss to the New York Jets, the Steelers have now lost two in a row. Get to a quick ad. Let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. It's something I learned During my studies at the University of Missouri, I took a sleep psychology class. One of sleep's biggest problems, though, is temperature. Tough to get good sleep if you're too hot. I want to tell you about the Pod by Eight Sleep. The Pod by Eight Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you let the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights and if you don't love it, will refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They already sold out their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash pro, 8sleep.com slash pro. Ike, on today's show on Taylor Talk, we're going to break down how the Steelers could target a quarterback in the 2020 draft, but we'll start where we always do with your big takeaway from Sunday's game.
1: Offense. You know, just the, the inconsistency of the offense, looking how good the defense has been playing. So, in two games, not able to get 17 points, 17 points would have got you into the playoffs. You would have beat the Buffalo Bills. You would have, you know, clinched the playoff berth at least. But losing the Buffalo, then going to the Jets, which I thought it was going to be hard to win against the Jets because the Jets have a few former guys who play on their defense. Who used to play with with Pittsburgh, Steve McClendon? Then you got Hines Ward, the wide receiver coach. Well, you know, it feels some kind of way because, you know, when RIP when the wide receiver coach from Pittsburgh died before the season, you know, Hines said he wanted to be that. Hines he, said he wanted to be that coach. He wanted to come and be that coach. Pittsburgh told him no. So, you know, it, it was a lot of, it was a lot on the line. Then you got Le'Veon Bell. It was a lot on the line from a Pittsburgh standpoint. Who's on either? that roster or that style for the Jets. And you can kind of tell they kind of played for Le'Veon Bell. You know, Steve McClendon kind of had extra juice at the D tackle and, you know, the wide receivers was making some hell of a catches. Pittsburgh put themselves in that position. They put themselves in that position on the offensive side because they did have some opportunities. And when you look at it, you see, when you look at the young wide receivers, the youth came into factor in these clutch and big games.
0: And Ike, the Steelers did something that you said you would not have done in the same scenario. Duck Hodges struggling yet again. He's now thrown six interceptions in his last two games, but he got benched in favor of Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph really seemed to spark the team. It's an analogy that we made last week in terms of almost jump-starting a car by putting the backup quarterback in. But then Rudolph got hurt, so the Steelers had to put Hodges back in the game.
1: Yeah, that was tough. From a coaching standpoint, you're just going with the hottest hand that's during the game. Usually you don't flip-flop quarterbacks, but by default, Pittsburgh had to flop back and duck high just because Mason Rudolph got hurt. And Mason Rudolph came in and threw some pretty nice, some pretty nice passes. So um, it's just the clock ticking in his head, you know, meaning that's the only difference between Duck and Mason Rudolph. Duck, where he wants to go. It's just his arm strength is not as strong is Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph has a spectacular arm, but he holds because he doesn't have that clock bent ASAP in his head on knowing where he wants to go. So once Mason Rudolph can catch up to Duck as in, okay, this is what I see, this is what I trust, I'm throwing the ball here, he's gonna make all the throws because he has the arm to do it. You just see why Duck was a fourth string quarterback now because just throwing them outs and towards the numbers and them sideline passes, Yeah, he knows where to go. He just didn't have the arm strength.
0: And that was something that you saw on Sunday's game. The Steelers quarterbacks have now thrown four interceptions on throws into the end zone this season. It's tied with the Chargers for the most in the league. Hodges is responsible for three of those interceptions in the last two games. Now, Ike, one of the benefits of doing this show, sometimes we record on Monday mornings. sometimes we record on Tuesday mornings, depending on our schedules. One of the benefits to recording this show on Christmas Eve, on Tuesday morning, is we found out yesterday that Mason Rudolph will likely not be available for Sunday's game against the Ravens. And if we would have recorded this show yesterday, we probably would have been having the debate of, okay, which guy do you start, Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph? Rudolph now looks like he'll be out. So it looks like Duck Hodges will get the start. On Sunday, and his backup would then be Paxton Lynch. So, the Steelers, again, they've had so many injuries, and it's not just quarterback now either. James Conner left the game and had an MRI on a quad injury. Marquise Pouncey got carted off the field too. You hope that it's not too little, too late as the Steelers try to make a playoff push.
1: If you're gonna go with Paxton Lynch, you you have to he have to go right now. Meaning. You know, once Wednesday come, right now he's talking to the coaching staff and the coaches already know who they want to start with Paxton Lynch if you want to go with him. One thing I do know about Paxton Lynch, the young man got swag and he has an arm. You know, I saw that I saw that at Memphis. Now, as far as the experience coming out of college, um, he didn't really have that much experience coming out of college, but he gained a lot of NFL experience by playing with the Denver Broncos. So you can't say that. But at the same time, you know, as a coaching staff, Coach Randy and the coaching staff, you got to start adjusting too. You know what I mean by that? You got to start adjusting to your personnel, uh, what you can and can't do with your quarterbacks. You got to you got to start having certain packages. Um, And me and a lot of guys, we have been talking about this of late. You know, OCs, they just get stuck in what they like to do. So y'all going to do what I like to do. Or I can't change to my personnel. You have to. You know, because the sample size and the menus are a little bit different between each individual guy when you want to talk about that quarterback situation. If you got Big Ben out there, you really don't need a menu. Ben knows he's been in the game long enough. He can pretty much call any call he want to call as far as, like, playbook-wise because he's been doing it for so long. Mason Rudolph, you know, between Mason and Duck, they got a small sample size serving. As, as, As far as, like, NFL experience and seeing a lot of defenses, and just started the NFL, Paxton, other than Big Ben, he got a large sample size because he's been a starter. So that's how you got to look at, okay, what does Paxton do good? What does Paxton do well? Do I need to get Paxton up there at the line of scrimmage with 20 seconds left so he can see what's going on so I can help him? Am I able to just to sit him with 10 seconds because he can see disguises and defenses? Like, that's, in my mind, Mark, as an OC, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm going through. Because every guy won't be the same at that quarterback position as far as like seeing disguises, getting the ball off, knowing what to read. So I got to decipher that in practice. And I got to put myself and even my players, my, my quarterbacks, through the same position I'm thinking on, do I give them a large size sample or do I just keep it to a minimum?
0: And the thing I can't help but think about is if you look at the Steelers' last five games, The defense has allowed fewer than 20 points per game. Like you said it off the top. If the Steelers can just score 17 points, they beat the New York Jets. They only gave up 16 points the week before in the loss to Buffalo. The Steelers only gave up 17 points. How many other NFL teams would love to be in that situation where the defense plays so well, where really it's the first to 20 wins the game? And the Steelers have struggled now in back to back weeks only mustering 10 points and the loss to Buffalo and the loss to the jets. And the thing that I'm curious about is even if Pittsburgh makes the playoffs and I'll paint the playoff picture for you here in just a second. And this is something we're going to talk about in Taylor talk is, are you really just delaying the inevitable? Because okay, if the offense is struggling against a team like the jets, a team that's not going to make the playoffs. What's going to happen to the Steelers if they do, in fact, make the playoffs? So for the listeners, let's paint the playoff picture. Both the Steelers and the Raiders need help to get in. The Tennessee Titans control their own destiny. This is for the sixth seed in the AFC. The Tennessee Titans can clinch with a win or if Pittsburgh and the Indianapolis Colts lose. Now, the Steelers can clinch. With a win or a Titans loss, the Titans are playing the Houston Texans. If the Steelers lose, that does not necessarily mean that Pittsburgh is eliminated from the postseason. Now, if the Steelers lose, they would need the Titans to lose, the Colts to win, and the Raiders to lose, or the Titans to lose, the Colts to win, and losses by Chicago, Detroit, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Patriots. I'm not gonna go through all the scenarios with the Oakland Raiders because the Raiders are a long shot to make the playoffs. But the Raiders are still also in the hunt. But Oakland would need a lot of help to get into the postseason.
1: All you gotta do is win for Pittsburgh. We've been asking for help, and it's hard to get help. You know, you're stranded. Triple A ain't working. Your phone, your cell phone is dead, and I got a flat tire, man. You need some help, and help ain't there. All I gotta do is make sure my car is... <laughs> ready to go, check my ties when I'm going on a trip, make sure my oil changed good, got my windshield wipers. And I'm talking as the Pittsburgh Steelers. All you gotta do is win. All you gotta do is win. So Pittsburgh win and got the shot. I'm looking at the Raiders from their scenario too though, Mark, I looked at how they got in the scenario and all their chips fell in line.
0: Oh, it's crazy, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was, like six, it was like six different scenarios and all six of them scenarios had lined up for them. That's why they're in the hunt as well we're giving back to Pittsburgh Steelers they're not playing their starters they're meaning the Baltimore Ravens they're not playing you know Lamar which is key he's the head guy and the captain of that ship so they're going to arrest him that's what they said they was going to do so
0: you know you got a little
1: bit of life you can go in there with a better game plan knowing that you really don't have to play Lamar even though you got RG3 RG3 is not Lamar no disrespect but at the same time you know you feel a little bit better as a, as a DC understanding that, okay, I got RG3 instead of Lamar going to be on the next show.
0: So you're confident that the Houston Texans will take care of business against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans haven't won in Houston since 2011. You're confident that the Texans are going to take care of the Titans because if the Titans win, they're in. But obviously the Steelers, if they take care of business, that would make things much easier than if the Steelers lose in week 17 to Baltimore.
1: All I'm saying is you win, at least you give yourself a lot of life. I'm not comfortable with Houston over the Titans because I'm saying what the Titans are capable of doing. Like, the Titans, and we, we've we been talking about this, the Titans, the Buffalo Bills, even from a standpoint, the New England Patriots, all these teams win ugly. But that's how you got to win in the playoffs. Like, it's going to be ugly wins. It's not going to be that September, October kind of wins where everything is high-flying. The quarterback is throwing for five touchdowns. When it gets down to this cold weather, it's gonna be ugly wins. It's gonna be good defense to run a running game and a series or two where the quarterback have to win the game for them. And that's all these teams. The Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, and even to some standpoint, the the Patriots, they have been winning ugly. And that's how you gotta win in the playoffs. So no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable at all, to be honest with you, Mark on the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans because the Tennessee Titans had a playoff recipe, but that was at the beginning of since the beginning of the year. It's just not as exciting to watch.
0: And the New York times has this interactive graphic. I love following for all the teams in the playoff scenarios with the Steelers win in week 17 over the Ravens, the Steelers playoff odds go to 57%. Again, Pittsburgh needs the Titans to lose in that scenario If the Steelers lose to the Ravens, those odds go down to 20% because several things like I had previously outlined would need to happen for Pittsburgh to make the postseason. So we'll see what happens there. Let's go to good call, bad call, and this is something I wanted to ask you about. The Ravens are deciding to sit several of their starters, including quarterback Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, who went down with a calf injury against the Browns, I can certainly understand why you would sit him. But Earl Thomas, Marshall Yonda, and Brandon Williams will also sit against the Steelers. Do you think it's a good call or a bad call for Baltimore to sit its starters in Week 17?
1: I would sit earlier, but I would sit everybody except for Lamar. I would sit everybody. I'll probably and the reason why I wouldn't sit Lamar is because. He's still a baby one when you're talking about being a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, he's playing like a 10-year vet and he's exciting to watch, but I would still play him. And the reason why I would play him because he's still getting more game experience. He's still getting more December experience. He's still getting in the groove. There's one guy who has to be in the groove, it has to be the quarterback. You know, so I don't know from a tight end or wide wide receiver position. If a tight end is up or down, I meaning if, if he's inactive or not, same as for the wide receivers, but it's timing, his throwing, it's, it's seeing the field, it's getting different looks. You know, when you play in Pittsburgh, you're going to get a different look, you know, than playing San Fran. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the baby standpoint, even though Lamar is probably going to win it by a landslide of, as the MVP of this NFL for the 2019 season. It's just, to me, he's still young. As a quarterback, so I would still playing. As Far as like Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas, them boys been around for a long time. They got a lot of wear and tear on their tires. I I would send, them. I would send them because they've been in playoffs, and they ain't been in Super Bowls, so they know the expectations. Shonda, of course, I need a healthy O lineman. So yeah, I would send them. I would send all my my seasoned veteran guys who know what the playoffs and winning Super Bowls feels, look, and what you need to do. Like so, say. But I will still play Lamar. You know, I still I still would play Lamar. And honestly, you know, Lamar is the kind of kid, if Lamar says he's playing, I guarantee everybody else say they playing. He's just you can just tell, he just has that impact on that whole team. If Lamar say no, coach I wanna play, I guarantee you, Mark Ingram will find a way not to play really start, but find a way to get some carries. Earl Thomas was like, you know what, I'm not gonna let my young pup play me not play. Yonder will play also. That's just, you could just tell everybody just loves, you know, Lamar Jackson. So, but I wouldn't, if I was the head coach, I would, I would I would, I would still play Lamar Jackson.
0: And so Baltimore will host the AFC divisional round playoff game in almost three weeks, either on January 11th or the 12th. So three weeks of waiting for those players. Rust could kick in. Now, sitting a starting quarterback in the final regular season game, it's unusual. In the past five seasons, four teams have clinched a number one seed before week 17, and only one didn't play their starting quarterbacks. The others used their starting quarterbacks for less than a half. So it is unusual. Now, RG3 will start at quarterback for Baltimore with Lamar Jackson sitting. I would imagine that Baltimore would still be able to run a lot of the same schemes with Griffin and at quarterback as they would with Jackson. And it's really interesting, too. Like, I always like looking at the odds and the lines of what the odds makers set and handicap the games at. Pittsburgh's actually a two point favorite on Sunday because I would imagine it's because Baltimore is sitting a lot of its starters, but. There's a reason why the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC this season. They've played outstanding football.
1: RG3 is in Lamar. You know, and and what what makes Lamar so special is his legs. You know, he he gets – he can make 100 moves in the phone booth, so to say, with 10 guys trying to tackle him. And that's hard to do. This Sunday, I think he took one of the hardest hits I've seen so far head up. And I was like, nah, bro, you got to – you can't take them kind of hits, not, not, not that one, not that one. And I think he was kind of pissed off, and he understands how valuable and how important he is to not only the team but just to the NFL, period. And he was kind of upset. He took that kind of hit, like, damn, I made the, the wrong decision. Um, but what makes Lamar different, yeah, a runner who can throw, you know, but he's a magician when it comes down to his legs. You know, you always see in sticky position, sticky situations, and he always comes out clean. RG3 isn't Lamar. You know, Lamar has long and short area quickness. RG3 has long area range. I mean, it, it'll take a while for him to build the speed, but once he builds the speed, it's a rap going catching him. Lamar can do it from a short distance and take it long. That's what makes Lamar so different and so special by the way I could throw the football um, and have a strong arm. So. That's the difference. You try to create pressure and collapse the pocket. You might have a guy, too, who can, who can walk RG3 down. You can't do that with Lamar. Lamar is escaping. He's an escape artist. He's an escape kind. That's just him. But the Pittsburgh still. that's why I feel like they're a two-point favorite this game because RG3 isn't Lamar when it comes down to escaping pressure. You know, Really, nobody who plays that quarterback position right now is Lamar when it comes down to escaping. Uh, Russ Russ has some good escape, escape ability. Even Deshaun can show some good. But even Kyle, Kyle Murray, he has some good escape ability. But it's, it's just consistently, you know, as quick as Kyle Murray is, and we all know he's quick and fast, you know, he's still a slide in the pocket not to take a sack. Lamar just finds a way to get out of it you know, and he just don't happen to be tall. Usually tall guys don't have short area quickness. Lamar is one of those guys. So for the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you're looking at Lamar, you looking at RG3, you like, you know, I got a little bit of life. Like, I feel like TJ or Bud can might walk RG3 down if Lamar was to escape. I, I don't think nobody other than a secondary guy, Hilton can walk, you know, Lamar down. So. I feel a little bit better when I'm going into this game if I'm a Pittsburgh defense coordinator. Knowing the RG three <laughs> It's going to start. No disrespect to RG3, I'm just saying.
0: It's the truth, though. Jackson's played at an MVP level. I also saw that game on Sunday, too, I, against the Cleveland Browns where he took that hit along the sidelines. There were other plays in the game where he was motioning for the Browns defenders to try to come tackle him, so he knew exactly how he was going to juke and contort his body. To avoid the defenders. I've never seen a quarterback do that before at an NFL level. And it's unbelievable to watch. I watched some post game on Sunday too, where let's just retire this debate and appreciate greatness all the way around. I saw this debate and I think it's almost like the MJ versus LeBron debate in the NBA. But the debate was oh, well, which quarterback do you want for the next five years, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? They're both, they're each individual player. They're both great to watch. Appreciate them both and see what happens in the postseason. Why do we always have to compare players? You know, of course, this year Jackson's playing at the MVP level and Mahomes finally seems to be turning it on after his knee injury earlier this year. Let's just appreciate both of their greatness as individual players instead of always having to compare of, oh, which one's better? It's just, it's a tired debate and I think we should be smarter and be having smarter conversations about that. And it's just like, it reminds me of the the talk show debates where you you'll turn on the TV and you'll see, Oh, who's better, LeBron or MJ. It's just like, how many times do we have to keep saying the same thing?
1: Listen to this. I'm taking Lamar over Patrick Mahomes for the next five. Here's why. Andy Reid, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, regular season, stat killer. He gonna gonna get you the stats, he gonna get you some funky formations. We're gonna talk about how good of a genius he is and getting these guys in position, getting the ball to different guys, but that December January football, I know I can find Coach Harbaugh. I know Coach Harbaugh is proven in playoff, and Super Bowls, <laughs> that's what I do know. And that's the talent wise, like you say, it's two different quarterbacks, but they still elite. It's two young quarterbacks, still elite. You can start a franchise with either one of them, it really don't matter. But since I know Coach Harbaugh is sitting on that sideline as a coach, and I know when it comes down to Super Bowls and the playoffs, I know he has an upper hand over Andy Reid. So say, so that's why I would take Lamar over P. Holmes, and it's not because the athletic ability, the arm strength, or anything. Like I say, both of these guys are two elite young quarterbacks, but this is the reason why I would take Lamar over Patrick Mahomes, and this the head coach sitting on that sideline.
0: And that's something that Harbaugh has is a Super Bowl victory, and Andy Reid still does not in his coaching career. With that, Ike, for me, it's more so – okay, what Jackson's doing, is it sustainable for five, ten years down the road? But at the same time, is Jackson redefining what the quarterback position can be? Where we see a lot of times with what running backs are, how by the time they reach about the age of 30, their shelf life in the NFL is no longer. Could we be starting to see the same thing for the quarterback position. And I think that's where Jackson is a generational talent. Both players are remarkable, and for me, time will tell more so than anything. I think that's a it's a very interesting point that you made about the head coaches considering both postseason successes and failures. If you think about it, Mark,
1: if you think about it, Patrick Mahomes been more hurt, and he's a private quarterback than Lamar Jackson. If we want to go there, so and then as a coach, which I think you have to be smart enough, and I think. Coach Harbaugh and that coaching staff, and Coach Greg Norman, the OC, is like as he get older, you make him more RV pocket quarterback. So I'm going to use his legs as much as I can right now. And I'm going to tell him in the offseason, these are my plans for you, Lamar. I would like you to throw the ball a little bit more, escape. But Lamar is figuring this thing out. He's starting to slide, run out of bounds. It's just you and I both saw that hit against the Cleveland Browns on the sideline. like yeah, like bro, you can't you can't you can't take them. Them the ones you can't take. Now, if it's a Super Bowl and it's fourth and five, I get it. Everything is all all on the line, I get it. But no, I can't have you taking them. Cause just as a Lamar fan, and I hate the Ravens, but just as a, <laughs> just as a Lamar fan, <laughs> the man is just exciting to watch. You know what I'm saying, Mark?
0: I love when you throw the caveat in. Because you played for the Steelers for 12 years, every time we talk about Lamar, you always mention, of anyone who should hate the Ravens, it should be me. Just be considering that was your division rival for 12 years of your career. It always cracks me up every time you throw that. That little tidbit in there, it cracks me up.
1: Hey, you gotta re- when you see greatness, you got to acknowledge it and, and, and respect it. So it's just he's on purple and black. You know, Ray Lewis, respect. T-Suggs, respect. Um... I, every, like it's a lot of Hall of Famers that you just had to respect who I played against. is just, you just hate the Ravens. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers, you hate the Ravens. If you're a Ravens, you just hate the Steelers. That's just, it's a mutual understanding that we hate each other.
0: You mentioned Suggs. I think Suggs going to the Chiefs not only benefits Kansas City, but also prevents the Ravens from signing a future Hall of Fame player. I thought that was quite the acquisition. Ike, Let's go to Taylor Talk now, and this is something we discussed a little bit before the start of the show. You think in the NFL offseason that the Steelers should draft a quarterback from the 2020 draft? Just want to run through a, a couple quick names, and if there's anyone that sticks out to you, just give me a shout and tell me who you like. Joe Burrow probably going to be the number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals, so he's probably gone right off the top, but you've got Jake Fromm out of Georgia, Justin Herbert out of Oregon, Tua Tego Viloa out of Alabama. Jacob Eason out of Washington. Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. Steven Montez out of Colorado. There's going to be several others. There's always quarterbacks from smaller schools that emerge during the draft process. Do you like any of those guys that might be a good fit for the Steelers?
1: I'm looking at Steven Montez. and hey, look, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this because they're going to wind up drafting him or whoever gets Steven Montez from Colorado. We're going to be like, oh, once he get the plan, we're going to be like, oh, this kid is really good. The reason why I like Steve Montez, and you, you talked about Joe Burrow, we saw, and we see what he's doing at LSU. The boy, he's having a Lamar Jackson kind of season, but more coming from a pocket passer, you know? So he, he, Joe Burrow reminds me of Tom Brady, when Tom Brady was in his prime. Just good pocket awareness know how to slide and shuffle his feet. Not super athletic. I know I need to go with the ball. I always keep my eyes downfield. But you're talking about having a pocket presence. That's Joe Burrow. And that was Tom Brady when he was in his prime. You know, just a cool pocket presence. But Stephen Montez, and we like to do comparisons. I'm not going to do any comparisons. Like, I look at Steven Montez since we want to. I lied. I will do a comparison. He's a young, he's a young Ben Roethlisberger. How, how I look at it. now I've been seeing this guy for a while for a while and I like him and the reason why you get a guy who's six five two thirty athletic young with a strong arm his only knock is his accuracy in short area range his arm is so strong he has to learn how to put touch on the ball you know but just coming from a cold weather state and city and playing, you already know how to do. And we talked about this before the show, like Big Ben, Miami, Ohio, cold weather. I know what to do. Uh, Joe Flacco, uh, Delaware, cold weather. I know how to play. Um, Tom Brady, Michigan. You know, go to the go to the Pats, cold weather. I know how to play. So it's not a, it's not an adjustment mentally. They body for the past four years. They just know how to play in the cold. They know how to throw the ball in the cold. They're not thinking, oh, it's cold like. If you just look at Jared Goff coming from, you know, the West Coast, if you got to play in New England and that cold weather, it's going to be a little different mentally him. you know what I'm saying? That's just why Seattle, you look in Seattle, you see Russ, like Russ just know how to play because the weather's different up there. So when he comes to the East Coast and comes to these cold weather cities, it's nothing to him. So that's how you got to look at it from a GM. But just looking at Big Ben and what he has going on with his arm, uh, looking at Mado- Mason Rudolph, and my only question for Mason is the health standpoint. He has the arm. I like his talent, but it's going to be the health standpoint with Mason. Um, and just looking at Stephen Montez, Stephen Montez has been playing for four years, so he, he's he's a seasoned he's a seasoned veteran college guy. So say um, I can mold him to whatever I want to mold him to. But yeah, I think if the Pittsburgh is going to do something now at the time. Cause you don't know what Seven want to do. Meaning, Big Ben, if he wants to come back, um, if he's gonna get a second or third opinion on his arm, um, you know he's been contemplating for the last couple of years. Anyway, you know he wants to be with his family, but he wants to be with his family. Pretty good, pretty much good health. And you can't knock a guy for for saying they want to do that. So, so I'm going to the I'm going I'm going into the offseason. if I'm a if I'm the front office of Kevin Colbert, looking at a quarterback possibly drafting him first or second round.
0: Roethlisberger is 37. He's under contract through the 2021 season, not due to become an unrestricted free agent until 2022. However, Steelers also have a potential out in 2021 with big Ben. Ike, the odd man out would probably then be Hodges though, because Rudolph was a draft pick and for as well as Hodges has played as an undrafted rookie this season team's not going to carry four quarterbacks so if the Steelers do in fact draft a guy someone's got to be the odd man out whether if Big Ben decides to retire which again he's under contract through 2021 or then you'd probably have to decide between Rudolph and Hodges which one you like better potentially and I think it would probably be Rudolph just because that was a guy that you spent a draft pick on if the Steelers do in fact decide to select someone in the 2020 draft
1: well, Mark, the arm talent is there. So, you know, I, I get the third round and all that, but I'm looking at the talent, like the arm talent is there for Mason Rudolph. You know, it's just a health standpoint. You know, he, he went through that concussion, he got his shoulder messed up, so he's out for the season. So say, so that's that's what I'm concerned with right now, cause he's young. You know, and I and people look at young like, okay, you got time. I'm looking at it like, nah, if he's getting banged up this early, man, that's an issue.
0: And the Steelers had to think something about him because they traded Josh Dobbs to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the start of the season. So there had to have been something with Mason Rudolph that they saw that they liked, because if you would have thought that duck Hodges would have been playing any substantial time at the start of the season, I'd have called you crazy. I also don't think the Steelers would have an eight and seven record. If that were to be true, which speaks volumes about what this team has accomplished and what head coach Mike Tomlin and his staff have done with the players that they have available. So
1: I'm glad you said that. Cause I was going to talk about Josh Dobbs in a second. So now I see why New England been doing this for the longest. They've been drafting high at the quarterback position. Cause I'm using them as trade bait. So they've been trade bait. You can go down the line on all the trade bait quarterbacks. New England has been having who was on that roster and either they trading, they trading to the Colts, who got Preset like uh, Garoppolo, and now he's with San Fran. Like they've been having trade bait quarterbacks for the longest, and they've been—I guess—they've been ten years ahead of everybody else because they've been doing this for a while now. So yeah, I'm looking at a Josh Dobbs as trade bait. If I like the young Stephen Montez over Mason Rudolph, I'm using Mason Rudolph as a trade bait, or I'm using Stephen Montez as a trade bait. Like this is what I'm doing now, you know, because. That position is so valuable, and you can't draft. It's odd you draft for RG3 and the Kirk Cousins in the same draft class what the Redskins did six, seven years ago. That's kind of odd, but you see why. So now I get it. It's a valuable position that you have to have on your roster, but I can also use a trade bait. Like I'm not using two Jalen Ramsey's. You know, because there's only going to be one so say, special guy like a Jalen Ramsey. So he can't be trade bait. Like, I can't have two Jalen Ramsey's on my team. But I can have two quarterbacks and they can show flashes because that's all they need to show is some flashes that they can manage or control the game. And maybe another team might consider, you know, so that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm drafting this year, if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, a first or second round quarterback. If I like them, I'm keeping them. If I don't, I'm using so sale whoever well as trade bait and we got action.
0: And say what you want about Jimmy G and Brissett. They're both starters for other NFL teams right now. And this is something we talked about several weeks ago on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Ike, We talked about how the salary cap used to be a huge hit to draft a quarterback first overall or a quarterback in the first round. And then that changed. Sam Bradford was the last one with the St. Louis Rams where you're making $60,
1: 60,
0: 60 million, $60, $75 million investment with your quarterback. And now with how the cap is structured, it might only be a few million, a few million dollars for four or five years of control with a young quarterback.
1: The cap is going up because I think this is going up more million million coming this offseason. And you got smaller but longer. You know contracts. So if you come out in top 15 pick, top 25 pick, you best believe you signing a a four year deal with a fifth year option. That's five years. I get to keep you, Jack. So it might be a five. It might be a five for a 25. You know it used to be the Sam Bradford like five for 65 for 55. That's a big difference. Like I got more room and work and more money to play with now since the caps and the contracts aren't so high when it comes down to quarterbacks in these positions. So on the flip side, yeah, these kids, they're getting paid more on a second contract, which they should, and I get it. But at the same time, as an owner, I'm cool with the 20, 20 to 25, then the 60 to 75 coming out, and I really don't know what this kid can do in the NFL. It's kind of, you got to prove yourself now with these contracts, but at the same time, you know, Uh, The CBA is a mother, so we're going to see what happens. (laughs) We're going to see what happens coming with this, hopefully not a lockout, but we're going to see if they can get to some sort of of agreement right now, this agreement with this CBA that is now intact. It's leaning all towards the owners
0: and it's something we saw with Russell Wilson once he got his contract after his rookie deal it's something we will see with Dak Prescott something we're going to see with Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson certainly a lot of these young quarterbacks that are outperforming their rookie deals
1: no question um they it's not like when i played you know we did hometown discounts and you know and i, I still made a lot of money like i'm very fortunate so i'm not worried about that part but this younger generation know their worth and their value, you know, so they ain't doing home down, hometown discounts. These boys get in the bag, you know, bring the bank to me. So, and I, and I love it. I like to see it. So, you know, on their second contract, you, you can only imagine whether a Patrick Mahomes, if he stay healthy, what he's going to get, you know, I'm thinking 180, between 180 and 200. That's what I'm thinking. I think they're going to try to sign him early to try to sneak some big money Adam, but Patrick was like, nah, if, if I see 180 to 200, uh, 120 guaranteed, That' what I'm doing. You know, so I'm looking at Dak, and everybody's talking about, you know, Dak and his you know, his inconsistency as far as, like, being accurate, but Dak, like, hold on, my record is better as a starter than Carson Wentz and Jerry Goff. Those two just got paid, and I just stood for 5,000 yards, and they still haven't won a Super Bowl as a starter. What we talk about.
0: Someone's gonna pay Dak, whether it's Dallas or another team, someone will pay someone will pay Dak.
1: It'll be Dallas because you can't even let him walk. This is priceless. Him being in that locker room, being a natural leader, not having a big head and being humble. And he's the quarterback, that's priceless in the locker room. That's why when you heard the players, and you gotta listen to the players, when you heard the players say, Dad take Nick Foles over Carson Wentz, he's like, Why? Because when it comes down to being humble and just being more cool of a, just being more one of us, we're gonna take Nick Foles in that Philadelphia locker room. Like that's that that was being said. So it's like, and I've been there before. I, as a front office, you always try to look good and look right, you know. So you are gonna sign your Carson Wentz, even though Nick Foles did win a Super Bowl, got hired to win a Super Bowl. You are gonna sign to look right, like okay. This is what these players are saying in the locker room. But as a front office guy, this is what I'm doing. Because we drafted up to get him for the second pick. I'm going to hush all this up. But at the same time, I'm just looking at how Dak manages that locker room and how everybody has respect for Dak. I look at the sidelines, see if guys are smacking their teeth, see if they roll their eyes, if Dak mess up. Like, they don't. That's what I'm looking at. That, that, that's what I'm looking at. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, you know what? He has full control of that locker room. It's just now, you know, as 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 a OC, you just gotta manage uh, what that can and can't do. And you know, for the most part, you be getting pass happy. And I know we're getting off the Pittsburgh still a script, but they the OC, Kelly Moore just been getting pass happy instead of sticking to the script. When you get in a jam or two, and that's the run game. So Pittsburgh, the only thing Pittsburgh has been doing, they've been getting behind the chains. You know, second and 16, you know, third and 11. And right now when you have your second, your third, when well, you're second or fourth string quarterback, it's hard to really call plays when it's second and long, third and 16, you know what I'm saying? So, me personally, that's what I think, what's been hurting the Pittsburgh still is, man, you've been getting into these second and third long situations and it's
0: not helping. And get some points on the scoreboard too, or at least try to flip field position to help out your defense. That's been the big thing that I've taken away is how many other teams would love to be in a situation where it's like, we only have to score 20 points and we can win this game. And the defense has carried this team to this point. And we'll see if it'll be enough in their playoff push for the six seed in the AFC. If you're interested in becoming an advertiser or a presenting sponsor on the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen, please contact the Believe Podcast Network at Believe.com. That's B L E A V.com. B L E A V.com. Ike, are there any keys to the game on Sunday against Baltimore, Pittsburgh? Depending on the line, a two to two and a half point favorite, the over under at 38 and a half points. If you had any key to Sunday's game, what would it be?
1: Pittsburgh score seventeen points, they win the ball game.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, scored, like I just said. <laughs> yeah, Mark,
1: Mark, they score seventeen points, they win the ball game, bro. Because the defense have been playing lights out. I mean, defense, defense been playing at a high level consistently. You know, defense have been playing at a high level. So, score seventeen points, and win the ball game. And that's that's not asking a lot. To keep it one hundred, score seventeen points, Pittsburgh Steelers will win the ball game.
0: And that defense loaded with Pro Bowlers. I I want to give one guy a shout out that I thought we omitted, who could potentially deserve a Pro Bowl spot. Kicker Chris Boswell has been so consistent for Pittsburgh this season. We saw it again. Against the Jets, and you could tell it was windy out there because they would kick the ball and the ball would curve, flying. Yeah, yeah. 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 I want to get you know, I want to give him a shout out because Pittsburgh has struggled on offense this season, but when the Steelers have lined up for a field goal, he's been nearly automatic this season.
1: Yeah, and that's hard, you know, especially with the league pushing the you know the field goal extra point back anyway. That's just been hard, but yeah, Bozzi, has been balling, man. Bozzi, has been. I other than that defense, he's, he's been the most consistent guy on offense, So say, you know, So yeah, I think in consideration, he should be there or a strong alternate. And I think he, I think he will be.
0: I want to wish all of our listeners a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe.
1: I want to piggyback off of Mark. I want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Stay safe and be blessed.
0: For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts